what color of glowing eyes would be the most intimidating on any kind of creature? Colorless. Like the most eerie thing to me is when they don't have a pupil or an iris and it's just white eyeball. And then imagine that glowing would be even worse for me. So like like voidant of color would be my my answer for that. Honestly, go is that, is that kind of like when you see like someone going to like in the movies when they go into a trance and it's just opaque white? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm going to go outside the box on this. Um, I'm going to say um, pink eyes. Glowing pink eyes. I that, love it. Yeah. That to me screams um, Faye and that mm. scares the shit out of me more than any devil or anything else because Faye are going to they're going to keep you alive. You're not wrong. I think for me most intimidating would be I'm not, I'm not sure how this would look but Megan, I'll take it a step further and say no eyes at all. And it's just black that you see in the face. And it's just kind of emanating blackness to it. Like it's glowing, but black. Like it's like it's it's emanating shadow almost. Exactly. Yeah. Especially if it was like on a on an angel or something. And then you see this and like black veins coming out. Oh, it's very Vampire Diaries of you. I accept. <laughs> I'm glad you accept. Uh, I, was, I was going to Supernatural, but you know what? Close enough. Literally the same thing, just like a different, you know, vibe. Absolutely isn't. <laughs> Welcome to the It's a Mimic podcast, where you never know what you're going to get. Welcome back to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. Today, we're continuing our discussion on Celestials in Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. I'm Adam, and with me today are Tyler and Megan, and this episode is called Archons, Mounting a Celestial Defense. In this episode of the It's a Mimic podcast, this panel of Dungeon Masters is going to look at a few more Celestials from the armies of Mount Celestia. So in pop culture, we hear a lot about the Angel of Death, Guardian Angels, Cherubs, and Seraphim. Uh, is there a kind of angel that you'd like to see in D&D? Uh, I don't necessarily remember like the biblical kind. We don't have to go that direction, but like in the fictional story-related pop culture kind. Is there anything that you feel is missing or one that you would want to see? Let's roll initiative. Sure. Two. I got a three. I got <gasps> a five. What a great start to today. Yeah, I'm going gonna do first great. with a five. Right, Tyler, you're going first with a five. Wow, I feel special. <laughs> Did you guys ever play Diablo? Yeah, I played Di- a little bit of Diablo 3. I think it's the only one I ever like. I, I had Diablo 2 eat my face for like six months. Oh, wow. <laughs> I I like the interpretation that they take an angel in that one where it's like a glowing figure and you, there is no face except it's just a glowing uh, light under a hood. And you see tendrils of light coming from the back of them. And I don't see a lot of that in D&D necessarily, not that specific. So yeah. I think that would be an interesting concept, at least, for That's like fair. a celestial. I think it doesn't matter to me so much what they look like so much as what their theme is. And I would like an actual angel of the, the, an angel that focuses on actual blessing that does good things and heals people. And but they're all good, have... Adam. Mm-hmm. They're all good. No, they are not. They are all terminators. That is what they do. They <laughs> Judgments, right? Focus, yeah. and then they they just do that forever. But but I like the idea of one that is has only positive spells given to it, and is 
you know, has a stupid high AC and tons of hit points and no attack. It just teleports away. Something like that, right? That's called mm-hmm. a silver dragon. No, no, no. No attack at all. Oh, okay. But the problem is that it's going to be some sort of, it's going to consistently be healing people, even evil people, and bringing them back to life. It's always going to be like, it doesn't pass judgment on anyone. It's here to bless everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be a problem. I feel like there's a ton of of plot hooks around that. Yeah. The moment that we take away the sword and we, we start to give them... A congregation and and super magic powers that are at surface level meant for the good guys but can be easily abused i could see that kind of character turning into the big bad of the campaign or at least the minion of the big bad right the big bad that's convinced them to come with me and and work, we'll work together yeah unknowingly trying to lean towards finding places where to find inspiration in pop culture if, if you wanted to build a more celestial character so like the first thing that popped into my head were movies like Dogma. I don't know if you guys ever watched that one. Phenomenal film A. Love I, it. Yeah. And like, it's one of those ones where like they're angels, but, and you you wouldn't know it because they act like regular humans on a regular basis, but then every once in a while someone sneezes and like doesn't say bless you. And then they lose their mind because like, it's, so that's again, it's like those little pieces that remember that they are a celestial being, but not just so you're like ramming it down your throat that they're celestial beings, which I thought was a really fun one. Uh, you already mentioned it, Adam, but like um, Supernatural is a great place to look for inspiration for demons and uh, celestial creatures. Um, one that I thought of the other day that I think that um, would be really good to fit in a celestial would be anyone from like the Sandman series. Yes. And I know it's more, oh, it's more man. critically acclaimed now because we have the series out on Netflix now. But back in the day when it was just in comic book form, um, a lot of my inspiration for my art actually came from that when it came to doing demons and devils and like celestial beings and stuff like that. So like, that's also a great place to find inspiration for these kinds. Cause they're it, unfortunately Adam's demise of wanting a good angelic creature. None of them are angelic in Sandman, but no. <laughs> that's just your perspective. <laughs> I, you know what? <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> There's also what yeah, good the... omens is out now. Yeah, I was like thinking a... good, good omens as well as a good one too. Yeah. As a, I wouldn't do touched by an angel though. No, um, the creepy. How, how, how? Well, I do. I somewhat do like the idea though of an angel that can shape shift into a human form, and you never know they're actually an angel until yeah. they reveal themselves in the full power and might. I love angels that can shape shift, and they should all have it. Just same with a dragon should, and mm-hmm. exactly yes should right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the Actually, last one I'll mention because I feel like it's an honorable mention is Constantine. Oh, uh, yeah. underrated film from Keanu Reeves, Heyday, but like great whoa, film. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> the TV show is so much better. I can agree, but I like the movie. The film is great. <laughs> the, the film is, is, I don't want to call it classic because I don't think it, it deserves classic, but it's called classic for sure. And I had the fortune of seeing that in theaters and I loved it. Yes, I agree. But I don't know. He wasn't, he wasn't john constantine from the the books right like it was it was too far off the source material for me fair enough fair anyway uh it's almost time to dig into our archons but before we do let's cut to a quick info break we've previously covered quite a bit in our discussion on monsters in fifth edition for all those episodes and more you can follow or subscribe on spotify apple podcasts youtube and dozens of other podcast apps 
If you'd like to support us, you can donate through the website, check out our store, or join our Patreon and get access to other episodes and series. If you'd like to pay for some ad space on It's a Mimic, or just send a shout out to a friend, please reach out to us through our email and website that are listed in the show notes below. So I don't know if any of the rest of you have been keeping track at all, but today marks the five-year anniversary of the very first episode that It's a Mimic ever launched. So I just want to say thank you to all the cast and the crew here, to everyone who's donated in the past, left a comment or review, upvoted an episode, shared a link, bothered their friends, or liked one of our posts across all the social media accounts. I'd like to thank the patrons for supporting us. I'd like to thank the family and friends that have shown their support by allowing me and all of the others to gather around a microphone, to take time out of our lives, to cancel plans with other people, to be unavailable at least one night out of the week, to record episodes for this podcast. And I want to thank literally anyone who has listened to any part of any episode. It's been just over 250 weeks. And we've released 435 episodes on the regular podcast streams and 95 on the Patreon in only the last 13 months. At this point, we've done episodes on tips for players and DMs, we've covered every class and subclass, nearly all the playable races, and dozens of monsters, with a focus on dragons, giants, and now undead. We've covered lore across the multiverse with a special deep dive into Eberron, built a campaign session by session, answered a landslide of hilarious, uh, inquisitive, and insightful questions, and some questions that were none of those things, and kept working through our long list of 5th edition book reviews. We've even branched out to run Call of Cthulhu actual plays and have a long discussion about Legend of the Five Rings. What started as three friends huddling around a microphone and wondering if we'd get even as many as five subscribers, it has turned into a team of over 15 people from across North America working together toward making people laugh and inspiring people to create. We've changed our mission statement, we've changed our format, we've changed the voices, and there have been ups and downs, drinks and jokes, arguments and sleepless nights. But things have grown and matured, such as they ever will on this show, but that's all because of you, the listener. So thank you, again. Sincerely and from the bottom of my heart, thank you. Because we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you. But before I get all misty-eyed, let me tell you about what else is going on on the channels this week. For those of you that have been paying attention, there was another episode that was dropped this morning. It was a mailbag episode where Robert and I sat down to discuss final boss battles. This is a direct sequel to us talking about Domains of Dread a handful of mailbag episodes ago. Tomorrow, Megan and Roman are back with more discussion about Legend of the Five Rings where they're going to be talking about the magic system, the Shugenja, and those that can cast certain kinds of magic. On Thursday, on the Patreon for Silver Adult Tier Patrons, they're going to be able to tune in for the next episode in our discussion on Pantheons and my homebrew system of gods and religion. And then on Friday, the ladies are back with another episode on the undead. This time it's all about ghouls. But for now, let's get back to our episode. And once again, thank you. We've talked about Archons a handful of times in the past. And uh, I think, Tyler, you and I have done a couple of episodes. We've done other Celestials as well. Um, yep. Going over all of the the angel angels in the Empyrean and whatnot. Megan, I think you and I were even on that episode where we covered the uh, upper planes too. Yep, we did the upper planes. Yeah. So we've kind of we've, we've kind of talked about this before. I don't want to retread too much, 
Uh, but mm. I do want to say that we got some more Archons in the Planescape books that came out, the box set there. And it is, I, I like it. We got a lot of Fae. We got a lot of, of um, Modrons. We got a lot of Celestials. It feels good in those books. Planescape, the setting is interesting, but not fleshed out as much as I want it to be. It's got a really, really strange um, adventure that jumps to level 17 right like at the very end like you get up to like level 11 or something and then bang you're level 17 and it's it it's got some interesting additions but one of the things that it finally gives us is a proper breakdown for archons because all of the archons that we'd seen up until this point were from the magic the gathering settings they weren't from actual forgotten realms D D settings so and while this is not strictly Forgotten Realms, it, it is part of the D&D landscape first. So here's what we do know now. We know that they're officially from the seven heavens of Mount Celestia. Everyone calls it Mount Celestia, but it is the, the polar opposite to the nine hells, so it is the seven heavens. They are all about defending their home, and they will deal with mortals or good creatures. If, if, they, if they have to get into a fight, they'll go non-combat. Because they truly believe that they can sort it out. But if it's fiends, fuck them. This is to the death. We're going to just slay them right here, right now. And remember, these fiends, if they're attacking Mount Celestia, they're not on their home plane. So they'll get slain, go back, and and like reanimate, and then come back again. So this is an ongoing battle of Celestials fighting fiends forever and ever. Now, their form that they have, it, it does kind of have like a ranking system, kind of like the fiends do too, like the devils specifically, where if you become more powerful, you get a new form. You can go from an imp, work your way up through chain devil and bone devil and ice devil all the way up, right? So, but the archons are absolutely the most vicious and militant of all of the angels, of the angelic hosts of the seven heavens of Mount Celestia. So that's what we get. That's the new information. I spent a lot of time talking about the four sentences they gave us in the Planescape book, like we're not getting a whole lot of lore support uh, in general for our, for Archons, except the fact that they are militant. That's the big thing. So all of the stuff we talked about in the past about Archons and angels and whatnot should still apply here. Like they are still part of an army. Uh, this time it is in service of a god or the idea of law or order or uh, Mount Celestia or heavenly ideals. But they don't necessarily, they're like they're not necessarily foot soldiers for a specific god. They're more like soldiers for all of the gods on Mount Celestia. So that's it. That's what we got about Archons. That, that's the new info that we're given. So let's grab our we're all dice. all done then, right? Sorry? We're all done then, right? Yep, that's it. That's the end of the episode. Thanks for listening. You're welcome, everybody. Bye. <laughs> um, no, we each have one to cover uh, today. So let's grab our dice and roll initiative. Let's yep. see who's going to talk first. Fifteen. Seven. Six. Guys. Megan. I got one higher than the last one. Get your Megan, lives help. together. I figured it out. You guys figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> if only we could be good at a dice rolling as you are. You know what? I'm an expert, so it's okay. It's all right. You'll catch up one day. <laughs> your D&D games say otherwise. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm okay with failing a roll if it's for the story, and I say that because I roll terribly all the time. Uh, anyways, so I'm going to talk today about the Warden Archon. Uh, which are a big, fluffy, friendly-looking bear that stands on two feet and screams like a looking like a paladin, because that's basically what it looks like. But in all seriousness, these large Celestian creatures are 
typically lawful good, as we've kind of discussed in these celestial beings, and you can see it. As mentioned, they hold their bear-like heads high and have eyes that are deep and dark and thought to even look like pools of silver. So as you're talking about like colors of eye glow, um, depending on where you're, what version you're looking at, you, there you go from black to silver to like to just shiny brightness, but they're kind of described as like dark pools. So in the book, uh, it does have them donning very shiny full plate armor and for good reason, as historically they are used to guard the portals to ensure that no intruder goes unmarked or unhunted if necessary and needed. So in fact, upon entry into any of their domains, the Warden Archon will lash out with its claws and even bite some folk if needed to mark them so that they can continue to hunt them should they escape or get away. So they are pretty vicious at first because it's their territory and they're extremely territorial. So if you happen to enter through a portal that is being guarded by one of these, um, you're fucked. Well then. Yeah. Oh well. Yeah, too bad. Um, tactically speaking, uh, if you're going to go up against one of these bipedal bears with the claws and the bites, but, uh, there's a few neat things about them since they do happen to come from, of course, magical lands. And one of the main things I like is the fact that they can speak all languages. I feel like this fits for most celestials at this point and most demons and those kinds of things that they can speak most languages, but this one very specifically says all languages can be spoken, which I think is a great kind of role-playing opportunity for any of the characters that pop through. Some of the magical abilities they have, I did make a joke that they're paladins, but they are charisma-based spellcasters wearing full plate armor. So Clearly warlocks. Just, yeah. You know, like just pure evil. You know what I mean? Um, but this means they can cast spells like detect good and evil, aid continual flame, protection from good and evil, um, as well as they can scry, which I think is pretty neat. On top of that, they can also teleport. So too bad if you're marked um, because they'll come find you and they'll hunt you down no matter where you are. On top of having teleport capabilities, it is um, able to fully detect from if anyone enters their portal, they can detect if someone enters it from anywhere they are. So they won't necessarily be standing at the portal 24 seven. They might go out, go hunting, do their thing, live their lives, have a little cottage that they live in. But if someone enters that portal, they know it. They can feel it and they can sense it and they will come after you. Um, and if that doesn't say it all, they also have a what's called a menacing aura, which means anyone within 20 feet of it must make a wisdom save of 15 or be frightened by it, which to me just screams, don't come, don't, don't come here. Don't come any further. Go back through your portal. Go home. Like you don't belong here. Right. So big roar, big scare. Get out of my face. But if you try and pass it, it's probably going to mark you, scare you, bite you, scratch you, but also high intelligence. So if you wanted to have a conversation with it, you could, but you might be risking a bit of your life. But yeah, to each their own. You know what? Fair enough. That's Is pretty that much everybody? all. I, yeah, that's pretty much all I have on those guys. Unless you have something else you want to add to a little bit of their histoire. Uh, no, not not really. That's that pretty uh, much covered it. Yeah, you, you kind of hit it all. So I like the fact that they can't be surprised, and yep. they've got real like Heimdall. I was about to say it's very Heimdall esque. Yeah. yeah. If Heimdall was a bear. <laughs> he sometimes is, depending on how much hair he has. You know what? That's so, not wrong. Uh, I've got some questions. Let's uh, let's roll initiative. 11. 16. I figured it out. 19. I oh, did too. I'm so, so proud of you both. <laughs> Megan. Thanks, Megan. Megan, for your support. Megan. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, Adam. <laughs> Tyler, do you have any role-playing inspirations for someone who wants to... For any DM that wants to uh, play a Warden Archon? I think one thing that comes to mind when I think of these particular kinds of archons um, is more so they are very much a guardian. They, I totally envision them as a gate guardian and I could see a party if they were to come through a gate, it's 
you can't come here unless you do this. And they're going to give them some sort of quest that they have to do in order to get by. They have to do this. Like a trial of some sort? Exactly. And I would treat it like that too. I wouldn't treat it as like, oh, this is a simple thing. No, this is a trial. And it's a could be a trial by fire. Uh, but I, I would definitely do that. And once they come back, and if it's good enough, they might get in. Or some of them might get in, depending on how each one acted. Yeah, we, uh, we just... Like, I'm not joking, less than 48 hours ago, we just went through a trial in our D&D campaign, but it was a vampire giving the trial, and it was a trial by combat. The players did not do as well as you would think they would have. Megan, how did they do? I did, I did just fine. You did just <laughs> Of course you did. <laughs> you and Dan walked through it, but Mieka finished off with one hit point. Dave was literally on death saves and yeah. uh, needed to be rescued by Casey. Like it was think, not. It, it was not good. I think like the winning point for me in that campaign was when I realized that my ki- there were some tropes for my character that do stand strong, and that was the when everybody was handing out healing and I wasn't saying anything, and Casey like looked at me directly and was like, "What about you, Kaya? Because Kaya lies." <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "Kaya's fine. She doesn't need any healing. She's okay." <laughs> it, it was funny too because you like tried to lean over your character sheet so no one could see it. <laughs> <laughs> No, I like the idea of trials. It's always fun when you get to do a test or trial or whatnot. Although one of the things that I would do would be, there's a kind of skeleton, this is just a terrible fucking pun that exists out there, but there's a type of skeleton in 5th edition, it's called a skeleton key, and the top of its head is in the shape of a of like a bone key that comes on top of it. And it's got spider climb and it's fast and all that kind of shit. I love the idea of making it a construct with the same kind of idea, like if you want to come through the portal, you've got to get the key. And then he like points to the ceiling 120 feet up in the air. And there's like three or four constructs, like Modrons up there. And one of them has a key sticking out top of its head. You got to go get it. Like, that's fun. That seems like a Warden Archon kind of trial. Although now that I say that out loud, it's giving Harry Potter vibes. <laughs> it's giving We're, we're not Harry there Potter. yet. We're not there yet. Just wait. No. Just wait for it. <laughs> oh, oh, good. Um, I th- Strangely enough, I've got a Harry Potter thing much later in the episode, too. So, like, this, this, we're going to, yeah. Oh, dear. I went nowhere with Harry Potter with this one, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, so, I, I'm i going to say, honestly, my role-playing um, tip for a Warden Archon is I don't think he blinks. No. No. I, I think that he tells the truth. He plants his feet. He says exactly what he means. And his gaze is completely unerring. He is going to look you in the soul. And I hate the fact that his insight is not through the roof. He doesn't have a, a big boost to it. He has it for arcana and athletics and perception. And perception makes sense. That's great. Athletics, sure, he's a big bear. I give him insight, like plus 10. Yeah. Because right? he should be able to tell if you are lying. Mm-hmm. If anything, he could also intimidate you. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like he doesn't need intimidation because of the aura of menace. But it feels weird that it's not you know, mentioned, right? Yeah. yeah. Especially being a celestial being, being, you would think that they would have the ability to tell if a mortal being is being a twat, you know? Yeah, I mean, so we gave him, I think it's just a given. <laughs> we gave him true sight. I mean, it's only 30 feet, but he can't yeah. be surprised. He knows when he's using the portal. He's got true sight. Give him insight. He should be able to just be like, why are you here? No, really, why are you here? You get one more lie. Why are you here? Yeah. And that was going to be my role playing option for this one is around the lines of if you decide to have a conversation with one as a group or as a DM, allow your group to have a conversation chatting with it. You only have a certain amount of chances of either lying, being an asshole 
or attempting to be a murder hobo where it's going to then attack back. Like, I feel like it would allow you to get one or two hits in before it attacks you back. It almost wants to sense how strong you actually are before mm-hmm. it engages back at you and like give you the weird perception that you might be able to beat this thing. And then it's just like, well, no, you're in my domain. So, but I just wanted you to give you one. I wanted to give you the opportunity to show me that you are good and you are not right. So it checks your murder hobo party right quick. Right. And then if you're a DM role-playing one of these, I definitely, it's going to be a holier than thou lawful stupid. And I, it's going to come across as lawful stupid, but it's just because I don't owe you information. So I'm just going to give you the base knowledge that is required for this like interaction to move forward. But I don't owe you anything. Like, even if you impress me with your strength, even you impress me with this, I answer to my God, I don't answer to you. So sorry, friendo. I get get vibes on this when I think of like, like, sure, it's still gets a plus two. It's not like it's bad at all. Um, But selling it the way that we are that it doesn't have like the greatest when it comes to um, uh, intuition and all that and just being able to tell if someone is lying or not i almost think of it just the pop culture idea of a, a bear as like a, a, a bipedal bear not being the smartest bear it's winnie the pooh yeah it is i was just about to say it's winnie <laughs> the pooh in armor <laughs> lawful stupid it's winnie the pooh yeah and if you look at the picture, I don't think it's wearing pants. Oh, no, no, it does not. No, no, it's wearing pants. Oh, oh it's got pants. Oh, it's it's got greaves. Pants. Yeah, it's got little oh, greaves yeah, and booties. Okay, yeah. yeah. Well, I would make it have no pants. <laughs> just to be just to be clear, though, the insight check that it has is wisdom based, and that's got a plus four. So yeah. it's already got a bit of a boost, right? His intelligence is plus two. The average person is is at a is at a ten, like it's a plus zero. Yeah, I said I said they're not bad at all. No, don't get me wrong, it's not bad. It's they still pretty good, but it's just, just the wanted, way that you guys are selling it. <laughs> just like, I just don't want the bard or rogue to just like waltz past this guy and just win, right? Then again, we're we're talking CR eight, so exactly. I don't think that they've got necessarily the automatic win yeah i also like the idea that at like at one of these portals like not all of them are going to be the best warden archons you know what i mean you might roll the dice you get one that's just super gullible and (laughs) well it's interesting yeah that it there's nothing about it being i mean it's immune to being charmed or frightened right Uh, but there's nothing saying that it can't be lied to i guess and like you know just characteristically lied to like (laughs) just hate that if i put if i put a gatekeeper in the way then that gatekeeper has to be keeping the gate it can't just yeah. be oh, yeah, all right head on through it's all good yeah you cannot pass without my permission well can we have your permission okay sure <laughs> i just won't look who was the the have you guys seen the good place yeah I've seen a little bit of it. I haven't seen it all though. It's it Tyler, you're missing out. It's pretty good. Yeah. So but uh but there's I, I forget who it is. There's a guard there in one of the later seasons who they have to keep bribing with little frog tokens and shit, and he just lets them on through. Maybe that would be a good warden archon as well. Yeah. That you just find out that he just likes um like it's a bear. If you give it a fish. Like fish. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or if it's Winnie the Pooh, it likes a little pot, a of, pot honey. of honey. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it, Megan. I'm sorry. Get out of my head, Charles. <laughs> All right. So do you have any exploration inspirations? Tyler, I think you were first. 
I think one thing that comes to mind with these guys um, is when you go through the gate, it's it's going to be, I, I would say, it's like they've decorated it. Now, I'm not going to say the the absolute best decorators, but I'm going to say that whatever they're dressed in, they're going to fit into wherever this is. It's like whatever, like whatever armor, the color of armor that they are wearing, it's the same color that's all around you as well, wherever this gate is. It's They match their surroundings, not to blend in, but to be that much more imposing of this is my area. What do you want? And so I just I'd, I'd want to have the area match the same almost menacing aura that they would be kind of uh, excluding from themselves. There's a real regal aspect to them as well. Yeah. When you look at it, there's almost like a like the Holy Roman Empire kind of feel with the white cape and the red armor and the the emblems and stuff all over it. And I just I feel like they're they're going to be assigned armor that matches the aesthetic of the gate that they're watching. Yeah, absolutely. Or I would say that or they make it their own. Like they make it that's the same as them. Well, keep in mind these guys are CR8 in the armies of the heavens. So like they this would be a post that like you have yeah. you have gotten high enough that you are no longer this low level this. archon, you're a mid-tier archon. You've now changed your aesthetic and here you go. I have a question. Speaking of their like physical description, it says they have powerfully built bipedal bodies with the heads of great bears and eyes like pools of silvery light. Cool, great. Just the head of a great bear? Is it just a jacked dude underneath that armor? Well, like, no, does it... the hair just stop around the collarbones? Well, it has fuzzy well, feet, doesn't it? It says that it's Ursine. It Greaves. It does say in there in the very beginning, though, that it is. I'm just pulling it up now. Yeah, um, Ursine Guardians. But yeah, it's an Ursine. But it ju- it specifically says the heads of great bears. Well, isn't an Ursine figure kind of a bear creature? Yeah, but I mean... If, so if they I have the same you... build of a bear, like as big, it might be... It's partially... just weird that it said only the head. Yeah. No, because it does describe that they have large claws. Okay. Uh, yeah, and they've got like a tracker's bite. Well, okay, so, so here's the thing. Winnie the Pooh, torso up, arms, bear. <laughs> yes. Legs. Man legs. <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So it's like he's wearing a furry long sleeve shirt with gloves. Yeah, just <laughs> and then and then just some really skinny pale dude from yeah. the waist down. This is what I wish this was a visual thing so people can see my. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, your interpretive dance every time you describe something. Yeah, you're describing as you act out. No, one of the, uh, okay. If I can be honest. I love the idea that when they speak, there's this glimmering radiance that shines from within their mouths. That is cool. Yeah, that's Megan. Do you remember that that light creature that you guys fought in the it was the cold light walker that you guys fought in? Um, in yeah. Snow. Having light radiate from a creature can be so flavorful, and I absolutely love it. Yeah. And the idea that you see it in its eyes first, and then it opens its mouth, and you see more of it. I'm going to say that all of its spell casting is absolutely done through the mouth, through the verbal components of the of when it speaks. Right, that's where its magic is. It's inside, and it gets released. Also, oh, yeah. if you if you zoom in on the photo, I'm just gonna throw this out now. You see the bare toes; they're bare feet. Okay, you're see, right. Yeah. Okay, but the greaves, the greaves are just designed to look like bare feet. Man legs. <laughs> man legs. She's trying to be a man. 
Okay, all right, hold on. Bare head, bare hands, bare feet. Dude, from neck to ankles. <laughs> it's like he's wearing gloves <laughs> and, and booties. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the I question is, so does he have a bare bottom? hey all right megan do you have any exploration hints for these guys uh i think that it, before you go through a portal hold on you're a sec be... hold on hold on hold on okay what's going Mieka on is in the other room she just heard that and she just went <laughs> <laughs> get off my episode hi Mieka. hi all right what were you saying megan <laughs> i i was gonna say like it, it, the, the pre-exploration piece to this that you know you're gonna come across one of these when you jump through the portal so like you're warned that this is something you're going to probably come across, but you're not told what it is. You're just, you're aware that there is a guardian of the portal that you might come across if you jump through the wrong one. And then you come across, you jump through, and you see this beautiful, like very strong, like, Winnie the Pooh. like looking lawful good bear. And it just bites you. <laughs> but that's the exploration piece would be like your group doing the work before like, what are we going to run into when we get there? Right. So that's going to be your first hint is like, there's a guardian that's going to be on the other side potentially. And then, but no one knows what they look like because nobody comes back. So that's going to be like the clue that you're going to come up to something, but you don't know what it's going to be. But I think that would be a lot of good fun to kind of hint towards that. I really haven't put any thought into the idea of the portal. Like it's all been for all of my thought process about this has been about the Archon itself, but yeah. A lot of cool shit here. I also love the idea of the, the tracker's bite, right? Like, it can know wherever you are for the next 24 hours. On what plane. if he becomes an ally? And it's just like, hey, when you come through, I'm going to just nip a little chunk out of your arm. And I will know where you are. And if you need help, I will come. You can pray and I will come for you. I also, like, so part of me wanted to feel like it would network that that you've been marked. So yeah. any other like warden archon would be able to know that you've been marked. But if it wants to, and it, you want to become an ally, I feel like it's a certain symbol it can carve. And then that's a that's a good ward. And so mm -hmm. that even though even though they're connected, if you come across another portal or another warden, you've been given the grace of one of the other wardens. So you get basically full pass in that area. So it's it would be beneficial to have that role playing conversation to get this person on your side, get the good hunter's mark. And then be able to traverse through this place without issue. Yeah. I almost like it that it could almost, if you have the mark and you're traveling out uh, up Mount Celestia, it's you, you encounter other archons that it could also connect to. They, they say, oh, you have, you, you, he gave you that mark. The Okay. Yeah. You can go by. Yeah. We trust you because he trusts you. So we like you. Because if you don't have it, well, you're going to be questioned a whole lot more. Yeah, you're gonna have a problem until you do make friends with one. Do we have any combat inspiration, Tyler? When I was thinking about this, I was thinking, what happens when it dies? And since it, we see so much of like this light coming from its mouth, from its eyes, and everything, I would almost want to have it that if you do slay one of these things, it's just gonna be a massive shower of light from wherever it is that everyone else around is gonna see it. When one of these things dies, it's gonna be like a massive light show. Con say high DC to be blinded for one D four minutes. Yes, absolutely. And also, it's going to alarm everyone else around. Hostile creatures are coming in. Oh, like what if what if when it dies, it becomes like a beacon that goes up into the sky, just like a light, a shaft of light all the way up to yeah. say, like, hey, this gate has been has been breached at this point it's no longer defended be aware that's i really like that idea i like the idea of alarming other creatures around it whether either to run or to come to the aid because this is mount celestia 
This is where the armies are. I think my thing for the combat is if it guards portals, it should be able to open and close the portals. It has the ability to grapple. I love the idea of it picking up a character, walking over to the portal, tossing them through it, and then closing the portal. Out Stargate. you get. Fuck off, right? And then deciding from whatever mystical, magical dial, whatever it is that they have, they move their fucking Stargate to another location, right? Like, it, it, they can move it three miles to the east so that that person can't, they just can't come back, right? Maybe it has to go within a 10-mile radius, but I like the idea of this warden having real power over this gate because the one thing when it comes to combat, you shouldn't see other Archons around. There might be two of these guys or maybe at like the main portal, there's a squad of six of them or something, but they're not with the army. You're not going to see them marching shoulder to shoulder with other Archons, right? They're not going to go to war. They're there as defensive posts. They're just guards, right? And so the territorial nature, I mean, I guess that that leads into the bear motif as well. But like the idea that once you get beyond where they can chase you, they will turn around and go back to the portal to make sure nobody else comes through. And I think it's going to be rare, but it could happen that they might go through the portal to deal with whatever's on the other side every once in a while, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that would be fucking terrifying watching one of these guys step through. Because does it say how tall they are? I assume they're like nine feet They're tall. large creatures. I think it's eight to nine feet. Seven to eight feet, I think. Yeah, they're going to be pretty hefty. And I think it would be even scarier if they come through and then along with them, you have some other archons that follow them through. Yeah. I'm looking up large creature size in 5th edition because I've confused myself on this so many times. Don't just tell me 10 feet by 10 feet. Fuck off. (laughs) They're square. That's it. Yeah, they are just big square bears. Care bears? What? Adorable. Oh, yeah! They've got the care bear stare from their freaking eyes and mouth. Their aura. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Up to 16 feet is the maximum height. I would have these guys be fucking just ridiculous. Giant bear. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense because like their claw has a ten foot reach, and like, yeah, like it's got the it's got the length and arm length of a of a large creature, right? So yeah, I'm all over. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Any fair. final thoughts on these guys before we move on? They're adorable. Not the word I would use. I'm really trying to lean into the scary, and you guys just want to make Care Bears and Winnie the Pooh. He's so it cute. Is a giant Pooh Bear. <laughs> I want to see a scary version well. of Pooh Bear. Yes, I want to see a scary version of him. This is not going to bode well for the next creature, which is the. Hound Archon, because you guys are just going to try to rub its belly, and I'm just, I'm already done with this. So, Hound Archons are, these are, when I think of an Archon, this is what I think of, and it's based entirely upon the art from 3.5, the first time I ever ran into them, because they were just super badass looking. This one is scary looking, but not badass. Uh, His eyes glow in the artwork but there's no mention of that anywhere in the lore or the stat block but their big thing is that they're the foot soldiers they are there to protect the innocent and the helpless which is why their armor looks like it's it's more battle samurai themed it's very much in the same kind of um color scheme that they have the warden archon but the hound archon definitely looks like it's an extra from a really badass Ninja Turtles movie. I was going to say, it's giving Splinter. A <laughs> little bit, yeah. 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 Not wrong, yeah. So again, we're talking bipedal warriors. Uh, they have swords that are these big golden hilts. 
uh, and the blade only goes like a foot, and then that's where the golden blade stops, and the radiant blade of energy begins. The other cool thing about them is that they guard peaceful communities and mortals by turning into uh, their alternate form of some sort of canine, whether it's a wolf or a dog of some sort, as long as it's medium or large sized, they can change their shape as a bonus action to be able to, to blend in a little bit more. So you could have a hound archon following the party and the party wouldn't know that that's actually a celestial guardian. And CR4, so nothing to sneeze at either. And you know your party members are going to befriend a dog that's just like, hey man, what's up? Except <laughs> Harry, who shoots dogs. That's, that's fair. We don't. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a, it's a large golden retriever, but I don't know now. Yeah. Not around Terry. <laughs> yeah. It, that is a that reference now is five years old. It's so funny how long we've been doing this. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's a little painful sometimes when you remind me how old I am. How old are you, Megan? You want to tell me? None, none of your business. <laughs> <laughs> old. So, so again, we get the typically lawful good. This is a medium-sized celestial, which means we can only get up to eight feet, which is just disappointing. Uh, but we do have a speed of 40 feet around. That doesn't change when you move into large dog or wolf. Um, but all of these game stats are going to stay the same, except for the, the magic blade, but I'll get into that in a second. The stats are all pretty good. For a CR4, they're all in the positive, except for intelligence, which is just at a plus zero. Uh, strength is the highest at a plus four, so it's like a late tier two adventurer. We have a couple of saving throws and int and wisdom that get bumps up. We have plus four to insight, plus six to perception, plus three to stealth. Stealth I thought was weird, but then I was thinking, you know, if they're changing shape, I guess. One of the things that they used to have in previous editions was keen smell. So they'd be able to track you by like hunting like a hound. And we don't have that now. Which... I would almost give that to them. Sorry? I would almost give that to them. Uh, yeah, I, I would flavor their perception to be like based on smell. Definitely. Not They're immune to lightning damage. <laughs> they are uh, immune to exhaustion and being paralyzed. Dark vision out to 120 feet. Passive perception to 16 all of the languages, and they have the aura of menace as well, although all of the numbers are lower. So we get a multi-attack, so two bite attacks. The bite attack is pretty much standard what you would expect for a CR4 creature, except that it forces a DC 14 strength save or be knocked prone. And then when it's in its true form, it has a shining blade, which does a hefty 2d6 plus 4 radiant damage on a hit. At Woof. CR4... That's you. You could be a two-hit kill with this blade. Yep. Fortunately, you only get one with the multi-attack. So bite and blade, or two bites. Also, it has the ability to detect evil and good uh, when it casts that spell at will, or once per day it can cast aid or continual flame. So this really is a lesser version of what the warden archon had, um, but. It still does have the teleport ability. Mm -hmm. That teleportation is huge. And I know you have to burn an action to do it, but to change shape, to teleport, and then change shape into a dog, you teleport around a corner, change shape into a dog, and then like everyone's going to turn the corner and just see an alpaca wolves. They don't know which one is, is your character, right? Like, yeah. there are some interesting opportunities here again my hint is always to take that teleportation and make it part of the move action and not an action because that 
turns this CR4 into a CR5 very quickly. Mm -hmm. The moment they can teleport and then attack, very scary. So, hmm. shall we roll initiative? Yep. Yes. 14. 18. Well done. 3. Okay. Tyler? <laughs> I'm flip-flopping. I'm telling you. I'm sorry. So, when it comes to role-playing, which is where we're going to start on this, one of the first things that I wanted to point out is that I don't think they come alone. I like the idea of there being a tier four party coming across a squad of eight of these guys. Agreed. Mm -hmm. Hound Archons should be part of a military structure, right? That's what they're meant. They're the foot soldiers. They're going to be the soldiers. They, there are several of them. The, yeah, they're, they're going to be out there hunting in packs. I think that makes perfect sense. I would absolutely give them pack tactics if they're going to do that. If I want to beat this up a little bit more. Like, yeah. The role-playing side of this, I want to lean into the dog side because when I reverse engineer it and I look at why they would make their foot soldiers like dogs, because the gods could have chosen anything. They could have made a fucking goldfish, right? But they chose canines <laughs> for a reason, mm -hmm. right? And that reason has got to be they work well in packs. They are fast with the speed of 40 is, is a great example. Uh, and they're going to be efficient at tracking people down and not letting the enemy escape. Uh, we get that with the dark vision, uh, which is 120 feet. The passive perception is 16. They can speak to anybody when they're hunting people. I like them to feel almost like a, a group, a pack of hound archons that are always looking for something. They should always have orders. There's always a mission and they're focused on it. Mm -hmm. So if you run across them, they're doing something. They're not just waiting around for the for orders. Or, well, my job is to sit here and guard the king. No, we'll give that to a different kind of archon. Hound archon, hound archons track. They hunt. That's what I want for the role playing. Yeah. Um, I was thinking kind of like a nice little, not necessarily a plot hook, but like an additive quest for a character development piece would be like, of course, you're going to have a player at your table that's going to want a familiar of some kind. And they're going to want a wolf or they're going to want a doggy or what have you. And you, you give them one and then you have, it can communicate with you or what have you telepathically. And it's just a cute little thing that they have, but you know that you're eventually going to go to these planes and it can't shape shift in the plane that you're on. So it's just constantly, it's, it's stuck in this dog body and it's just cannot escape from it. And then like you cross over and through a portal and then you come across one of the warden archons. And then basically the warden archon says, Hey man, to the dog and the dog, poofs into <laughs> into its proper form and then that's how you get through right and you're because you're scared it's one of those like relief moments for your players too of like we're going to go through this portal we're going to come across a guardian it's going to be super scary and then you're from like your person might even hide your familiar at one point it's in, in fear that it's going to lose its life if it's out so you don't get like it might take a while for it to come up and come through but I think that would be like a good, a good, like a role playing moment to have with your group and for one character to have like kind of like a little bit of a shining moment um, for for a session. I love the idea too. like, I think you've you've tapped into something neat because right even in Find Familiar, when it talks about the different things that it can be, it does list um, all the different like forms. But it says that uh, it takes the it has the statistics of the chosen form, though it is a celestial fae or fiend instead of a beast. So it makes perfect sense that you can hide this there. If you know you're going yeah. to the upper planes, that's that's really fun. And you can give it all the stats from the Hound Archon, except all of that crazy attack shit, and just have it be guarding with the aura of menace 
and then it, it, oh, it's a DC 12 wisdom save to not be intimidated, right? But you're just giving the frightened. Like this is this is a fun thing to play with. Yeah, I agree. I think if I were to have a role playing experience with them, I like the idea that they're working in a pack. And I also like the idea if you had to join them for a uh, just for a a quest, you had to join their pack or you had to become their pack. They're your leader, like just for a a, a really quick. Uh, I don't want to say a one shot, but it's more so you've been tasked to prove your allegiance, and you're now part of their pack, and you you kind of are winning their role here. You 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 are just this idea of prove your worthiness to be. If you are able to convince these soldiers that you're good enough to be here, then you have earned our respect. I would even go a step further than that, and I would say that if they they serve the same God as the cleric, right? Yeah, and then that's that's a blessing or a holy talisman or something like. There should be a come with us, and you don't tell them ahead of time. That there's a reward just we are also you know messengers or of of whatever the god is come with us and help us on this quest the cleric's gonna say yep absolutely the rest of the party's gonna go oh fuck okay fine god shit here we go right and then they're gonna go along with it and then at the end there's gonna be this big boon that they weren't expecting the blessing from the celestials right yeah. in the name of the god i think that's really cool we did a whole episode on on boons and blessings and stuff you can go back and check that out but uh, there's some good options in there, which would be really cool to hand out from. This is a great like opportunity this. for that. Uh, also, I want to really, I want to mention really quickly here. Um, I, I just get the pop culture reference of all dogs go to heaven in my mind right now when I think of this. Such a sad movie. Megan is crying on mute. Uh, oh God! <laughs> this immediately <laughs> broke my heart. That you might as well just bring up Homeward Bound, my guy. Like I come on. It, it was that. <laughs> hey, I did say Golden Retriever. <sighs> Look, look, All Dogs Go to Heaven and Secret of the Nim and uh, An American Tale and The Last Unicorn. These were the things that traumatized me as a child. They're the ones that brought me joy as a child because it's such a good story. This is why I can't cry as an adult. Land Before Time, even. Like... I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Brave Little Toaster. Oh my God, Brave Little Toaster. Um, To this day... Did we talk about this last time? The furnace has like haunted me to this day. I'm pretty sure we talked about this on one of the podcast episodes previously. (laughs) When I was like a young child and I saw it, I thought that it was, for some reason in my head, it was the same furnace monster that was in Home Alone. Because when Kevin goes down to the basement and he gets scared of the furnace, for some reason it was the same thing. I was terrified of furnaces. I didn't have a furnace like that in my house. Scared the shit out of me anyway. (laughs) So uh, as far as exploration goes, um, I like the idea of tracking these guys and watching their footprints change as they change shape. I think that that's always cute and neat and fun. How anamorphs of you. <laughs> I, I don't want it to be werewolf though, right? Yeah. Like it's not going to be painful for them. It should feel good every time that they end up landing whatever their new form is. So right? you hear them so, in pleasure? What? No. <laughs> But it it should not feel painful to change shape. And we get a lot of that in pop culture where if someone changes from one thing to another, it hurts, right? And I don't think that's the case with these guys. It's just Uh, part of their everyday life, yeah. I also like the idea of them 
having a specific, and this is the Harry Potter of it, them having a specific dog that they change into. Like it can't just become a wolf today, a husky tomorrow, a chihuahua the day after that. Yeah, They're, it's its own personality dog. Yeah. 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 You you will get to know its its canine form and then be able to recognize it when it's in canine form. Yeah, I agree. I would play I'd hate to too. be that one that's a Pomeranian. You know what? It, it actually says that it has to be a medium or large dog. Or, or, a large or Pomeranian. Wolf. So yeah, a large size Pomeranian or just can you, how much urine does a horse sized Chihuahua get <laughs> every time that you slam a door? I hate it. <laughs> the worst. So Beautiful Tyler, image. Oh no, wait, Tyler came in with a three. Megan, yeah. do you have anything for exploration? Uh, two things. One for like, if you're going to be, like, be hunting them down and find a pack, a group of them, I don't think that they would necessarily have layers or nests or like anything like that. They would have camps where they exist in their like more humanoid form, but then they just have dogs as their, and like wolves as their protectors that are just doing the roots and doing the rounds and that kind of stuff. So you would first come across a wolf or a dog pack before you get into the humanoid camp where they kind of roam around and do their battle tacticking. Tacticking, that's not a word, but you know what? I feel like I've, I've made up enough words on the internet at this point. I think that it's normal. Um. <laughs> I'm not even paying attention anymore. I am just sadly playing with the little dinosaur toy on my desk because you brought up freaking land before time. I feel like because you're a dinosaur guy, that one would have hit home pretty hard, but you know. Yeah. Uh. yeah. <laughs> um. But yeah, uh, other than that, like uh, other explorational items would be like, of course, they're in like environmental reactions. Like they're also hunters. So I feel like if you're in an area that these, that there is a camp that exists, they're going to be hunting. So they are going to know that you were there before you know that you're getting close and you'll hear the howls at night and you'll hear like the barks and stuff like that throughout the day. And there might not be a lot to hunt and keep yourselves satiated because you're in someone else's hunting territory. So those are going to be some clues that you're kind of might be coming up to an encampment where these guys are, because you're just going to have a lack of hunting um, around in the area. I, I want to point out to, you're talking about camps and whatnot. And I'm thinking about, okay, mm -hmm. it, these are not undead. They need to sleep. Yeah. yeah. But it says it, uh, uh, and sorry, on top of that, they have natural armor. It doesn't say anything about full plate or leather armor, or any of that shit. Their artwork shows them with armor. And I wonder if that armor is just inherently baked in and you can't remove it. Like that's a part of their existence because they're supernatural beings. And so in order to sleep, they always just change shape into a dog because you can't sleep and get well, the benefits comfy. of a rest, right? When you're wearing armor. So I like, I love the idea of, of you go to this camp, there's all these pavilions and in each pavilion laying on the bed is a giant dog, which is a different kind of dog in each one, right? Like it's a Labrador in that one and a wolf in that one and a coyote in that one. Like, yeah, the, uh, there's a regular size Great Dame in that one. There you go. <laughs> Tyler, do you have anything for, uh, for exploration? I think one thing I would do with these guys in particular is they are hunters and they're, but they are also dogs. And I think if you have a high enough perception check, you would be able to find traces of them because they, as they go around, I imagine, again, this is maybe a dog, the dog stereotype, but they're marking their territory. Now you can be as crude as you want with this, but the fact of the matter is they're marking their territory where that where they have been what they consider this is our territory you don't intrude here and i think the party can find clues that 
these things are nearby or something is nearby. They're not alone in these woods or wherever they are exploring on uh, any of the upper plains. Cause I would imagine these soldiers, like again, they're yes, the soldiers of Mount Celestia, but I imagine they could be at any of the upper plains as well if yeah. they're hunting. And I imagine that the party can find signs of these guys if they are looking or if they are have a high enough passive perception. If they're going to mark their the territory, I mean, I think that they're going to use their shining blades to uh, with, with mark other stuff. damage to like brand their emblem into trees and rocks and things. Yeah, that's I was I was thinking more along that lines too actually. That way like and the other any other hound archon can come up to this emblem, sniff it and know how long ago it was. We, you know which squad this was right and and what direction they were heading and that can be kind of the how, how they operate that's fun dang it this was the pack of chihuahuas get away <laughs> um combat inspiration well i mean i'm gonna give them pack tactics right like I, I just i said it before i have to do that they're they're dog guys this is the thing that frustrates me is we don't have dog men in D. we've got cats and 400 frogs and fucking six fish people and like but there's no dog person and it annoys me but we do get hound archons and so i feel the need to make them feel very different in combat they're going to snarl they are going to keep their heads down the way that dogs who are about to pounce get down low to the ground. These guys are going to march forward in a regal fashion, and then here comes the opportunity to fight, and they get low and they get fast, right? I want them to feel dangerous as they come sprinting in as a group, or even as a, as a single, but as a group. I think that would be really powerful imagery to have them all enter a battlefield like that, especially if they come in in dog form, and then, you know, round one is is closing the distance. And then at the end of it, they use their bonus action to change shape. And bam, there's six or eight or whatever warriors right yeah. there in the middle of combat. I also love the visual because most groups, as soon as they come across like a pack of wolves, their first instinct is to just fight it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then also, nope, they turn into um, these. And they're like, so what the hell are you doing? Like, <laughs> you're, in our, you're in our territory. Sit Back down. mortals. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get out of my space. <laughs> You will cease now, or you will pay the price. You might just pay the price anyways, but... Yeah. I mean, I don't have much on, like, actual combat structure and how they would operate, but I, I feel like they would be the same as the Archon Wardens, where they will check you out first before they attack, and they won't necessarily attack you unless you are a threat to them um, or a threat to their mission. Like, if you're in the way of their mission, they're going to be like, get out of our way. We don't care what you want or who you are, but you are... Because to your point, Adam, earlier... They should always have a mission and something in mind that they need to be doing. So when it comes to their desire to fight, it's not going to be there unless you're actually in their way kind of thing. Because if you've made it past a warden and you're in the lands to them, you're probably here on good nature unless you're in my fucking way. Right. So don't be an asshole to them and you won't trigger, you know, getting sorted. <laughs> yeah. That's fair. Tyler, do you have anything? I'm just looking at their blade in sp uh, specifically that you just mentioned that. And I'm like, what if you could, like, if you kill one of these things, what if you could use their blade? What if it became a sword that you could wield? Now, I would, I would make a rule that you would have to be a celestial to actually wield it. Yeah, I know. That's what I was kind of battling with, too. But yeah. what actually came to mind first, though, was with these guys is I would be playing with speed because they 
have a 40 foot movement as to uh, for a medium creature and most medium creatures have 30 feet and but they are dogs and so they they're fast and so i would have these guys be charging at you in a group if they see something from a distance and they notice that that's an enemy or whatever they're hunting they're going to just dart towards it they're going to dash towards you and if you try and get away you ain't going to make it because they're faster than you unless you're a monk well then you can abandon the rest of your party yes as monks tend to do right megan i have never once in monk form abandoned my party <laughs> yeah you abandon them every single combat as you run towards danger and the rest of them go no 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 wait 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 fuck all right wait, wait. <laughs> But I like I this idea because I think it's worth pointing out too, as far as their combat goes, is that their chain shape allows them, it says right, allows them to inconspicuously guard peaceful communities. Mm-hmm. They have a, a bonus to stealth. They are meant to stand back and watch until they what if they were like Batman level of we take out our enemies, but outside the eyes, like away from the eyes of regular people. We want to maintain the myth right or have just just it was good karma that those bad people just disappeared one day and they'll never know we were here that's true do we have any final thoughts about uh hound archons uh adorable <laughs> stop it stop it <laughs> now we know where all dogs go when they die oh um so let's move on to our last archon tyler i believe this is all you yes it is so the Archon that I have here is what's called the Lantern Archon. And we've just kind of gone gradually down because we've gone from this gatekeeper, this big bear. And now this we've gone just from like this canine Archon that are like soldiers. And now we're on to this little itty bitty Archon. And they are the, the Archons that kind of greet you as you come in. Uh, and they're the ones that kind of travel with the souls going around Mount Celestia. I imagine these guys as tour guides. And they are little balls of light that, uh, like, it's almost like a metallic ball with wings. This absolutely gives me vibes of Harry Potter of the uh, snitch. Yeah, the, the golden, golden snitch bowls. Yeah, I hear that's you. that's absolutely what I my first thought when I saw these things. I'm like, hey, that's hey, a golden snitch. Except these things are kind of incorporeal, so it looks like they're metal uh, in the center, but you actually just the uh, you can't even uh, touch them necessarily. Yeah, it just goes right through them. They the they have no their, physical substance. The majority of their form is just like light, right? It's like, just yeah. But um, I want to point out too, they're small size, so like we're thinking the golden snitch. But now much bigger size of of a halfling, right? Yeah, exactly. They're still like decent size in comparison to your guys's, though. They're small, but imagine like a halfling size snitch, which would still be pretty imposing, especially if it would come up to your head and be like, and all of a sudden, as you kind of come in and say, "Hey, how are you doing today? Welcome, to Mount Celestia. How can I help you?" Look, listen. Pretty much, uh, but they are. I find that they are definitely rather interesting. Uh, to have this type of thing there, I said a small size. They're only a CR2, so it's not going to be that hard to. If if you feel the need to be murder, murder hobos and you want to kill something, this might be an easier target. But really, are you going to want to be that here in well where they are? I, 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 I couldn't tell you. That's up to you, honestly. But I'll tell you right now, these guys are fast. 
because they fly, they have a 60-foot fly speed. So good luck trying to catch them. Uh, but again, it really kind of goes into the flavor of who they are. Uh, they are just balls of light with a wi- kind of light wings. And so you can easily see these things kind of darting around everywhere, greeting people and assisting people throughout uh, throughout Mount Celestia as they're going. So the stats of these guys are rather interesting to say the least because their dexterity is decently high obviously but i'm just gonna say they have a strength of one which oh my they, uh, but that, that incorpor- makes sense yeah a lot of incorporeal shit has a strength of one because they can exactly that's just it yeah uh but they have decently they have above average constitution wisdom and charisma and fairly low intelligence I think these guys are almost like pre-programmed almost. Like they have certain things that they're saying as people come in, let me show you around, but not the ability to think too much on their own other than this is what I've been told. This is what I need to tell you. They, they have pretty much what everyone else has had when it comes to resistances, you know, against bludgeoning, piercing and all that, immune, immune to lightning and radiant. So a lot of the stuff that the others have as well. Yeah, uh, I, I want to say the big thing, though, is that, like, you can't grapple. They can't be knocked prone. They, they can't be restrained. They're yeah. immune to radiant damage. Like, they're light. I don't know how, like, the, these things look like big will-o'-wisps, right? Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, it has... and I, I, I still like the idea that it speaks all languages, so it greets all people that come through. Um, it still has that aura of menace, though. So you can still be frightened by this thing. Mind you, it's a lower DC. But uh, one thing I do like about this, because it is a ball of light, it has this idea, this illumination to it. It can shed bright light in a 30-foot radius um, and dim light an additional 30 feet. So you're looking at like a moving torch. Because it is incorporeal, it does have that incorporeal movement. It can move through people on the turn. And so it's not restricted by its movement, but it's flying anyways. So it can just fly above you as well. Uh, it's interesting to me that it does force damage when it stops inside of a of a creature or an object. Yeah, that is. I did find that a little bit odd, but uh, I always run gonna... incorporeal creatures a little bit differently. Where if they pass through a creature, both the creature and the the um, incorporeal entity itself, they both take force damage at the same time. But if they're undead, it's necrotic. For this one, I would make it radiant damage. Yeah, I'd make it radiant. So. Absolutely, yeah. So they do have a multi-attack, but it's uh, they have something that's called a radiant strike. And it, all it is is just the shooting light rays at you, either melee or ranged. It, either or, they're both the same damage and everything. I would imagine these guys are... F- wherever they're just flying at a distance shooting these things at you um, but they have the, the detect good and evil like the others and they also have aid they can cast and the same teleport uh, thing they have as well which as we discovered with the other guys this is can be incredibly beneficial what's cool though is that they can use teleport as part of their multi-attack which the other ones can't do yes i was about to mention that that is really uh, fun that you can actually use it um and they go to replace once, so they can still still attack once and then teleport, which can be quite harrowing if, especially, if you got several of these guys on you. Well, yeah, and that that gives them 180 feet of movement in a round and then an attack. Yeah. That's insane. Yeah, yeah, it is, exactly. Uh, 
you you're not going to be able to catch these guys easily or to get a hit on them unless you have crazy amount of range on whatever you're doing uh, and then as a bonus action they, they have this thing they can shift their radiance so it goes from instead of like shedding 30 feet of bright light they can go down to as low as five foot dim light so it's if they're trying to hide they can hide just how bright they are but yeah these guys i find that they are i I like them as the welcoming committee that's how i view them and then if something happens that they are able to kind of again quickly communicate to the others but that's pretty much what i have for these guys here there's not too much on them but they do seem like a little fun arc i will mention though it does say that these are the least powerful archons yeah they seem to be the lowest on the The lowest ranked stats wise they look pretty low so (laughs) let's uh grab dice let's roll right 19 damn it damn it adam you had 18 megan 17. Yeah, take that. One. God. Tyler. Fuck. Great work. All right. I just don't so, want to answer my own questions first. All right. So uh role playing for these guys. The very first thing that I want to point out with them, it took me a minute to like figure out what the fuck I was looking at with the artwork. But do you guys see the face in it? Was... There's a face. In the there very center, it's an yeah. eye, and then below it, like that little triangle is like yeah. a nose. I and suppose, a yeah, mouth you're right. Yeah, it's a mouth in there. Yeah. Yeah. This speak looks languages. Like... Yeah, it yeah. could talk. Yeah, this looks like it's oh, yeah, a, it's a metal ball that has been like shattered by light, being held together, right? And then, it, and it, I don't know, it, it looks really, really celestial when you can see the face in it. It looks like a weird messenger kind of thing. And uh, I love the idea that they are there to greet newly arrived souls and light the path. They're there to be allies. You shouldn't be fighting them, mm-hmm. right? They should be Agreed. able to hold their own. Uh, a little bit in a fight and certainly to get away but i think that their big thing is going to be if they're going to be a celestial messenger that guides the players forward then i would have them be very neutral like what's his fuck was at the um in the avengers movies where they they go to have to make the to get the soul stone for the final sacrifice the thing that that you love and there's the red skull showed up and you just yeah not good, not evil, just neutral. I am the guide. I am here. These are the rules. Come on, let's go. Right. Mm-hmm. And I like these guys. They're typically lawful good, but I'm going to lean into the law more than the good. Right. Yeah. These are the rules. This is what you need to know. Where are you heading? I can be a bit of a information, you know, repository so that you can get the info that you need to travel here. Uh, and then once you get beyond my purview, I'm going to go back to the to the gate and wait for the next people to come through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think of like a cute little plot hook for these ones too. And like kind of how to implement them into your game. Like obviously there's probably somebody in your party that might be a celestial or have a background that is angelic or demonic or what have you. So if they die in a game, they're, soul well that will go to the mountain and so you one of these would appear to take their soul away mm-hmm. and then you'd be like oh i mean you can try and get him back but i'm taking him where he's supposed to go so i'm gonna float away and do that thing and then it's gonna be like a, a whole orpheus we go and we go and rescue them right like i i, w- I want to take it one step further the, the 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 dead soul comes through a portal and the the warden archon is standing there going welcome to heavens you're dead. What you need to do right now, you see that in the distance, that glowing ball? Head towards the light. Yeah. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they built it that way for a reason, Adam. 
it all comes together now yeah but it's also the things like i feel like anyone who lives in areas where portals exist or are like you know close to the gods of the heavens um would know and be rumored to what these are so it's almost like every once in a while you'll see a shooting star or uh something like a ball of light cross across like the sky and it's like oh we've lost somebody right like no, it was just swamp gas, damn it. Yep, you know, <laughs> bowl of fireflies in the sky, you know what I mean? Like... Oh, I'm, I'm absolutely going to have it so like, oh, hey, that's the guardian we need to go over. And it is a will-o'-wisp, right? Yeah. Or it's a hag with a lantern sitting in the, like, I could pull a couple of switcheroos. With, yeah. With oh, yeah. Easy I'm also these guys. Yeah, I'm also thinking like Studio Ghibli kind of thing. Like, I would love to have, like, uh, there's a town that has a festival where once every year it's like the lantern festival, but it's actually the lanterns coming in to take a group of souls because it only happens once every couple of months or what have you. So they have an evening where it's like the lantern festival of lighting all these lights so that like no one actually fights the wisps because they're camouflaged within all of the other lanterns as they're taking the souls away. I think it would just be a pretty visual. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. I get this image in my head right now. When you mentioned about how the warden archon is just like, you go that way towards that glowing light. I almost, I, I get the comical idea in my head of the warden archon is there to and guarding the gate and people coming through. And then you have this, and then you have this uh, lantern archon kind of coming beside it saying, hey, are these guys for me? Hey, hey, are these for me? Hey, hey guys, hey, how are you doing? And then just like shooing away. Go away. Go we through. already fucking have holly fans. We don't need that for our lantern arc. <laughs> but uh, the the other <laughs> the other idea that I had too with these guys is that they are your information booth. Um, as soon as you come in, it's like this is like, if you're playing a video game, you have these ideas that you can go either to a map or to a hologram and say hello, welcome to such and such a place, uh, and that's what these guys are. It's like. They are, as soon as you come up to one, hello, welcome to Mount Celestia. How may I help you today? Oh, you're looking for this? Oh, you want to go this way? Let me show you. Or let me call another one and they will do. And then another lantern archon comes by, maybe glowing a different color. I don't know. Uh, and then it will guide you to a different, like, and I have this idea that there's different colored glowing lantern archons and each one representing a uh, kind of a, a different area that they're supposed to go to. It just occurred to me that because they've got this weird metal shit to them as well, Modrons are neutral. They're they're lawful neutral. What if anytime that one dies in the name of good, they become a lantern archon? And that's that's kind of the like you could meet a Modron and try to like no come on we're gonna do good and it's always lawful neutral that finally does something good and dies and you feel bad and you meet it later as one of the lantern archons. That could be fun. I wonder would it still retain its would it still retain its intelligence though to know yes. that? Yeah. I look, if I'm gonna have an NPC return, the only way that I'm gonna have it not remember the party is if I want to really tug at the heartstrings. Mm -hmm. oh, okay, yeah, fair enough. When it comes to exploration, the first thing that I'm thinking about is when they go to the mortal realm, I'm thinking maybe the only way that the portal opens up is if there is a gigantic pyre in the middle of town square that Every time that there's an equinox or a solstice or something, they light this big bonfire and and that opens up a gate to the heavens. But the townsfolk don't know it's a gate. 
They just think that the fire itself spawns lantern archons that then float out of it, round up the souls, and float back into it again. Mm -hmm. Now, it does say that as a bonus action, they can reduce their illumination to only shed five feet of dim light um, or to go back to normal. I absolutely think that these guys would never, ever do that. There's no reason for them. They can, but there's no need to. I think the Mm -hmm. only reason that that's even here is because they're meant to escort your party members. And if they end up getting NPC status, then, and your party wants to sneak around somewhere, they'll need to do this so that they don't just give away the position. But I think naturally speaking, no, they stay illuminated. I I like the idea of that though, of if they are kind of escorting a party and it's all of a sudden, oh, oh, sorry, am I too bright for you? Let me, let me tone it down a little bit. That's fair. That's cute. Um, when I'm thinking of these, I, it doesn't say kind of like similar to what undead doesn't say that they don't need, don't need to sleep, don't need to eat, whatever. Like it doesn't necessarily say that, but I like, there's a part of me that wants to believe that they don't, but then there's a part of me that wants to believe that they do, because I feel like their little nest or their lair would just be like a, like a, like a bee colony, you know, hundreds of them roaming around. Squatting in and out, in and out. I was just thinking you'd find little piles of metal heads just laying down until you wake them up, and they just illuminate, <laughs> and then boom, and they're flying again, like like a pack of fireflies or something that's just like taking a nap somewhere. Yeah, yeah. No, I like the idea. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I could go either way that they don't necessarily have like one place where they exist, but like because they have such a very specific job, I almost feel like they do have a place where they go to go to rest and go to hang out with the rest of the other lanterns. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I I assume that they're near portals, so maybe they're bothering the warden archons. Yeah, yeah exactly. So to Tyler, Tyler's comment about how like just super annoying. Like, is that one for me? Is that mine? Like, can I talk to it? I want to talk to it. Look, their intelligence is pretty low. I love the idea that they're going to become an NPC that hangs out with the party, and every time they go to take a long rest, this thing is just hanging out shedding bright light inside the tent illuminating the <laughs> yeah, entire area it's like, like kevin can you go outside thanks <laughs> you are until someone says you're too bright and he goes oh and then just dims and it was like you could have fucking done that the whole time weeks like, ago <laughs> yeah. you, you yeah. never asked yeah <laughs> adorable tyler do you have um, anything for exploration for these guys one thing that I, I think for exploration, what I love about these guys, uh, you already mentioned it previously, um, was this idea of in the night sky. If you sometimes see like a, a shooting star or something flying by, I, I would almost want to flavor it that it's one of these archons kind of guiding a person uh, around um, or just uh, an idea. Or I would even have it almost like as if it was in a dream or if it was a... Oh, shoot what is it the rain what's that ranger that has the, the horizon uh, walker yeah the horizon walker uh would might even see these things occasionally in the in the sky but is seeing beyond the horizon like the the whole the whole village knows that the, oh that's a lantern archon except for the hermit on the fucking edge of town it's like it's the international space station i swear to god exactly yes but that's i i almost would want to have it that these things I want to. I want to use the idea that they are bright, and that they are fast. Um, but it's the idea that others can see them, even if they're on. Uh, that those that have the ability to see kind of into different planes, 
can get hints of these guys or that have connections to interplanar activity. Yeah, what do they look like when you're in the ethereal plane? Yeah. Like, maybe they just look like a floating metal head. Like, maybe you don't see the light at all. Or maybe they're nothing but just, like, bright white light. Just an orb, right? Well, like, I, would say, I would almost play that. That's almost like smoke. Yeah, it could be. It's like a, no light whatsoever. It's just you see, like, just a pile of smoke. And uh, the darker smoke is kind of incorporating what the metal is. But it's they're completely incorporeal. Uh, when I look at these guys for combat, I think that they don't. No, absolutely not. I no. feel like everything that they have, the ability to teleport, like they'll hit, but instead of it like teleporting and like moving 120 feet in and then hitting you, they're low level. They have an AC of 13 and 22 hit points on average, right? Like yeah. they're going to hit you, teleport away, and then fly away. Like their whole big thing is going to be maybe that's why they they have that shift radiance where they can they can become dimmer so that they can hide. Yeah, that's what I was most to take it from. That's what I was thinking. Yeah, I feel like everything they have is defensive. Like they're not. And if you fight, yeah, if you fight one, you're not going to fight it for long because it's going to disappear. Like they've got the damage resistances to the regular non-magical attack shit, but the other archons didn't get that. They're immune to lightning, but also radiant, which the other archons didn't get. Their condition immunities. There are more of them. They're meant to live long, even though they're very, very weak. So I would have them run. That's their number one thing. Retreat. Yep. Come back when the fighting's done. And they can fly, so they'll go up. Exactly. Megan, do you have anything else besides the fact that they're, I don't want to call them cowards. They just know that they've got a job to do and they can't do that when they're killed. Yeah. And they're only really going to be on their home plane for the most part. So. Yeah, I think, the, and I think the other way they would attack someone is if there was like 25 to 50 of them in one spot where they all come down at one moment, buzz around for a hot minute, bother your group, like almost like a, like a, almost like a swarm. And then yeah. dissipate. Like, I feel like that would be a fun thing to do as a DM. But like, if you they're, all, the if they're by themselves, they're going to fuck off. Right. So. Yeah. The, it's it's going to look like a freaking Star Wars battle when these guys show up on mass to fight. Yep. I think one really big thing with them is if it comes to that. And if there's invaders into here, I think these guys suddenly become your messengers. That they are the ones that are going around telling messages to those who need. They're the ones that are going to the the hound archons to say go here this is what we know follow me mm -hmm. uh, and it's and it's just ingrained into them there are people here that are not supposed to be here come follow me it's not that they, they don't need to have high intelligence to know that they know that this is not good i need i need to get help yeah and they can't do it on their own uh, so i imagine them teleporting to wherever they need to go within 100 and, uh, 120 feet and then dash that these guys are going to get wherever they need to go real fast. Yeah. I also think that you can touch them and they're not going to burn you. No. Oh yeah. Well, it's, it says that you, that uh, you can try and touch them and it just goes right through as if there's nothing there. Yeah. Yeah. So, Wispy. Any final thoughts before we uh, wrap this episode up? All right. Then let's jump to a final info break. If you've been inspired by the conversation in this episode, please feel free to reach out and share your creativity and ideas with us and the rest of the community. You can reach us on Facebook and Instagram or on our subreddit at r slash it's a mimic. Also, if you're feeling particularly generous, please follow and subscribe and leave us positive reviews, likes, and comments. Engagement like that helps us pop up on search engines and keep this show running. So in the initial Celestials episode, Adam 
you complained as you do uh that there aren't enough celestials that <laughs> there aren't enough celestials in fifth edition which is a nice thing to complain about um does this inclusion of these archons kind of like start to balance the scales for that or what do you guys think let's roll initiative 16 3 i got this i got this 11 <gasps> your second you shamed my dice at the beginning of the episode and they've been just on fire since so. well i'll note not to do that when we play D phenomenal yeah. <laughs> all right what do you think adam it was your complaint to begin with so what do you think i've never complained about dungeons and dragons once in my life never never not, have i heard it not once um only just this, commented this is so late in fifth edition and there's three of them for a regular D setting right like it does feel too little too late. I'm glad we have them. I miss the books from earlier editions where you would just have, here's a book on everything celestial, right? Here's a book on everything demon, right? Here's a book on everything fae. We, we just don't get that. We have, here's a handful of a smattering here and a couple there, and it's all spread out all over hell. I love every one of these archons. I think they're flavorful. I think they're unique. I think they're incredibly interesting. And I would love to be able to use them in my games. Um, but at this point, this late in fifth edition, for the price tag that's sitting on the Planescape box set, I'm not buying it for this. I'm just not, right? Like, yeah. these Archons are cool. I'm glad that I have access to this myself. But if I wasn't running a D&D podcast where I had to buy all of the books, by the way, thank you, patrons. You paid for this box set. And, and so made this this episode possible. So um so i i love these but they're so niche they're so little they're so out of the way and i want as many celestials as we have devils and demons mm -hmm. the problem Agreed. is we don't focus on the good guys because we are the good guys we focus on the bad guys and i think this is the first time we've gotten to an angel episode where we weren't talking about fighting them as players yep that's true, actually. Yeah. I think every single one we said you wouldn't necessarily fight or they would not necessarily fight you. Yeah. So so, and if you did fight it, you're fighting it by mistake, not because you know what it is. Once you know what it is, you're probably not going to fight it anymore, which is a, a breath of fresh air. Right. Yeah. So I got to say, does this redeem them? Yeah. Yeah. Like this redeems it. It's just not enough, but it's mm -hmm. definitely a step in the right direction. And I love the fact that we accidentally stumbled onto the angels or the archons or the celestials that you're not going to get into combat with. Yeah, very true. <laughs> I like these. I think it is a great inclusion. As you said, Adam, it's a little late, but I do have hopes that as we go into whatever next edition of D&D it is, that they just keep building on it. That it's not just a complete reset of everything, but rather, hey, let's keep all these all these monsters and let's just add more on let's give more celestials these ones are already here let's just add more on mm -hmm. yeah give us so book. i think i think <laughs> i think they're going in the right direction at least yeah yeah giving us these additives and these little pieces to kind of flesh out the planes is very helpful uh because then you're not making up your own shit as you kind of go along which i find is very necessary but uh, we did talk about this when we went over the big b book for giants is like what book do we want next and i think all of us kind of like voted we would like more celestials and we would like more like specific books for angels and demons not just finding them scattered around in other books right like we want one archive of where to find these kinds of beasts and monsters and to your point taylor i think it's a good start and i think that because we have more 
uh, it might inspire that in the next edition we get, we're going to get something a little bit more fleshed out and a little bit more fine-tuned. Because I think that's the one area where they just have not navigated, to your point, Adam, because we don't fight them and D&D is built to fight. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see what they do. But I'm happy with them. Yeah, I think I think whoever designed these ones got the memo that Dungeons and Dragons is not just a combat simulator. Most yeah. of the players want to role play these days. Yeah, and there's the exploration of it too. Yeah. Anyway, that's all for this part of our discussion on Archons in D&D 5th edition. Please take a second to engage with a like, follow, comment, and review to help push our engagement. And don't forget to subscribe to find future inspirations for your campaigns. If you'd like to support us, we have a store with some merch and a donate button on our website, itsamimic.com, as well as a Patreon. This episode and others can also be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and most other podcast apps. Thanks for listening to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. This has been an It's a Mimic production. Please check the show notes for this episode to see links, time codes, and credits. And don't forget to reach out and share your own inspirations. But wait, there's more! (laughs) Oh my! For the low, low price of, I think it was $6, there is another monster... Uh, Monsters Compendium on D&D Beyond. I actually talked about this in uh, one of the Legend Lore Online episodes uh, for 2023. So it's about the creatures of Eldraine. And Eldraine is a place that I'm sure you guys have never heard of before because it's a Magic the Gathering setting that we didn't get a book for. This is just, we got a monstrous, like a small little monster manual with like 20, 22 creatures in it. And uh, it's neat. We talked, Megan, about um, the Ogre Chitterlord on uh, one of the giant episodes. We, we talked about trolls and then I brought up, that was the rat one. It was everything yeah. rats. That's also rats. from this. We also talked about, I don't know if that episode's come out yet, but we talked about the Witch Kite, which is a dragon with warlock levels. So there's some yep. neat stuff that's going on um, in this. And one of the things that we get is the Archon of Boundaries. And the idea here in Eldraine is that there are uh, there's the realm, but that's lowercase r. It's like the realm of men, right? The kingdom, essentially. And then there's the wilds beyond it, and the wilds are super dangerous. These archons are translucent. like They look like a translucent, glowing... It's like a fucking Patronus. Here we are again with Harry Potter. They look like a... Uh, elk with wings but it's absolutely massive like this big stag and there's a rider on the back with this massive like 10 foot long lance and it looks like they're two different creatures but they're actually one you can't remove the archon from this massive elk but it marks the boundary between the wilds and the realms and some people say that it's paladins that have died and this is their job now is to just mark um, the area they've returned from the celestial realms to watch over the boundaries. Uh, some people try to drive off these archons deeper into the wilds, thinking that that will shift the boundaries, but they, they don't create the boundaries. They just mark where they are. So they will just eventually come back. The cool thing about it is they're CR 15. They're huge size and they understand common and celestial, but they can't speak. 
it's got immunity to exhaustion. It's resistant to radiant. It's got all of the stats that you would expect from a CR 15 creature. Uh, speed is 60 feet if it runs, 90 feet if it flies. And it's got legendary resistances three times a day, which means it can just choose to succeed on a saving throw that it's failed. It's also got advantage on saving throws against spells and other magical effects. Other than that, we have this long spear, this pike that it has, which is actually called the Radiant Lance. Um, this, when it hits, does a fuck ton of radiant damage, a little bit of piercing damage, but then also marks a creature so that that creature has disadvantage on attack rolls against other creatures other than the Archon. It has the ability to cast Daylight and Lesser Restoration. It's got a nasty hooves attack, but it's got some really cool reactions. One of them is the fact that if it's marked a creature, if it ends its turn within 120 feet of the Archon, that marked creature um, is known to, to the Archon where they are, and that Archon can teleport to an unoccupied space that it can see within five feet of the creature as a reaction. So you can disengage and run, you can dash away, you can do anything that you want, but there are so few player characters that can move more than 120 feet, or so, and, and no one, I don't think, that can do 210, which is the fly speed plus this teleport, right? Yep. So it's coming for you. Also, it's got a haunting radiance, which means if you're within 120 feet, you have to succeed on a con save or be blinded until the end of your next turn. And then finally, it has the ability to parry, and this just adds plus five to its AC as a reaction. So uh, that's assuming it can see the, the attacker. There's a lot going on with this Archon. It's really flavorful, and it's buried in one of the PDFs. It's very so I just cool. want to bring up, I like it. I think it's cool, but it doesn't feel heavenly. It feels guardian-y. Do you, have like, any, do you guys have any thoughts about this before we wrap up? The way I would like put this into the campaign if I wanted to, to make it like make more sense as to why it's more aggressive, is it will not attack you unless you have a hunter's mark from one of the guard, the wards, the guards from the, yeah. the portals. The warden. Yeah. So if it's like, I don't want to leave the portal, but I'm going to mark this and he'll take care of it. You know I what like I mean? That. That's the only that's the only way I would ever enter it in, which means if you have a good mark, you will never come across this. Or if you're on good terms with the wardens or the wards, then you're you're good, right? Because to your point, Adam, it doesn't feel it doesn't really fit into this episode the way we've played it because it were we kind of we voted towards the everything's positive, like we're not actually gonna fight these things. This is when you're probably gonna end up fighting because it's not gonna let you go. Yeah. yeah. I would almost treat these guys though as they're in between each of the levels of the he of the heavens there because the seven levels and i would almost treat these guys as in between each one of them that's really cool yeah the, they they're they are the boundary and that if you want to go you're gonna have to get through one of these guys or you know you know the portal i mean the okay so you have a portal to the seven heavens on the mount celestia side of it you have a warden archon beyond him is a lantern archon but on our mortal side, there is the Archon of Boundaries, and you've got to pass by them. They're guarding this side of it as well. Oh, right? yeah. That's cool. So, yeah, so, that's a good exploration piece, knowing that, that's, that you're going to have to come across that to get through, right? Yeah. And I yeah. like, so it's no secret on the campaign builder that we're going to go plane hopping and we're heading up to the upper planes. Wait, what? A lot of tier four. These guys are CR 15. These guys feel great as yeah. as you see it in a distance and you know there's a portal over there, right? Or you know you're heading on to the next stage. Look for the next Archon of Boundaries. And because they're huge and they fly, you should be able to see them from a distance. I must take note. <laughs>
Any final thoughts? I no. like the Archons better than the Angels, if I can be honest. Oh, yeah, I would agree. They've all just got a gimmick to them. The Angels are just generic. I stand for good, except I'm also kind of a dick. <laughs> Other Pazons are written to have a specific, like, role role and goal within, like, the Order, right? Because, like, they have an ordning, like the Giants do, right? And they just do whatever they need to do. And I, I like that kind of rule and order to, like, their processes. So I just like the flavor and I like creatures that have a lot of flavor to them that are not just uh, cut and paste, but there's actually more to them. And I like the Archons because of that. There's more that you're as if you want a homebrew that you can play with there. Mm -hmm. There's more that you're able to kind of mold around a little bit. It's not so cut and dry. Yeah. One of the things that I'm really starting to appreciate myself is the idea of the ordinings and the hierarchies. And I wish like the Modrons have it. All of the fiends have it. We have celestials that have it, like the archons do now. I just don't want the fae to have it. The fae should be just fucking crazy. Like that's that's the one that shouldn't have it, right? They so, are each unto themselves. An yeah, ordinary like, each and unto themselves. Yeah. So like different levels of pixie or sprites or things, but there's you don't go from sprite to pixie. Uh, that just no. doesn't make sense. You just get you just become a better sprite if you get more hair from people. Yeah, and the, or or fucking thimbles or buttons or whatever fucking nonsense the fae are about. Or I've collected enough names that I can now be an arch fae, right? Like, whatever. I, I have now collected the, uh, uh, the same number of toenails that a human would usually have. Usually. They have yeah. 11 toes, right? Right. And, <laughs> it's a usually. Anyway, um, I think that's it for Archons. Like, I don't think there's another one out there, so. I think that's all of them, yeah. I'm glad that we're ending this one on the note of feet. Great. Oh, yeah, we actually have another Feats episode coming up. Do you want to be on it, Megan? Probably. I'm probably on it. Let's be real. <laughs> you joke. <laughs> the internet's going to get tired of my voice eventually. Welcome back to It's a Mimic, where you never know what you're going to get. Today we're continuing our discussion, not on dragons. I don't know why it says dragons. Yeah, there's a lot of dragon talk in this one. <laughs> did, I not, did I not scoop out the dragons? There's a little, there's there's a few, one or two dragons left in there. Because, yeah, when I was going through, I'm like, mine is definitely not a dragon, but that's fine. I, maybe yours are. <laughs> None of them are dragons. Well. But before we do, let's cut to a quick info break. I'm kidding. You, you mean draconic quick. humanoids? <laughs> <laughs> I love you and I care about you. <laughs> uh -huh. I, to think I could have been using all of that time that you were late editing this. It's true. <laughs> Thanks for the call out. Yeah. <laughs> My kitchen's clean. Well, and that's what matters. So obviously they're kind of given a portal <clears throat> that they're supposed to Sorry, I'm going to clear this out of my throat before I continue. One second. I don't know what you just did when you <laughs> muted, but the visual of that was hilarious. It looks like you were screaming at your upstairs neighbor. No, if you cough while looking up, it forces phlegm out of your throat. I mean, I guess. Yeah. All right. It's kind of like, cool. kind of like giving yourself the Heimlich. I don't do that. In okay. Keep going. <laughs> I don't do that in public. I do the privacy of my home. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Why are you still here? Leave already. <laughs> 